What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Happy, hey! Friday, hey! This is the real versions of us, not the cartoon versions of us. You know what? I, you know what I love about later in the week, guy? Huh? Is on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's not much midday inventory, but once we get to about mid-February through the off season, I get I get PJ Golf on the Golf Channel when I record the podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking up. I see. I just saw our guy Abraham Answer knocking a putt and Bubba. Just, you just get golf tournaments, PGA tournaments, especially. On the right week, you're like, the top ones. That is good. By the way, uh, everybody, subscribe, rate, review. We always appreciate that. And uh, you might have noticed that we have a new podcast image logo. If you haven't seen it yet, the animated version of us, you can look at it right now while you're listening to this. Trying to up the game. I was was made fun of a couple times. My my little brother said I'm too, you can't, too pasty. But we're both, that's just the animated version. We're both a little light, you know, much to end. You got some. Your hair didn't quite get done justice, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, you got hair. my jawline did. Yeah, your jawline. Your jawline. Less than we ideal. Was, you know, your head shape is perfect. Was an old pick, so you know, probably a little lighter. Yep. Both of us from Raiders training camp, actually. Yeah, that was probably like two thousand. That was probably five or six years ago. Uh, someone called me a clit. They said you look like a clit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, you know we're called everything under the sun, but I think I think it's going over well, and you might be seeing us on Instagram doing a little advertising, yeah, out there, out and about, yep. on on the business streets. Some people call so, it the off season; we call it the fucking sledgehammer season. Hashtag grow season, and hashtag go leave a comment on iTunes. You know we we appreciate that. Keep doing it if you haven't yet. Just leave a uh, leave a couple nuggets on iTunes. So some five stars, and just uh, unsubscribe and then subscribe again. Remember. <laughs> Part of my take used to do that like three years ago. I think it worked. 
uh, on my Instagram story at Guy Haberman, and then you reposted at John Middlecoff, and then I put it on Twitter too. I took the image and then put that song that we're using to start the show, Sledgehammer, in it, right? And I just it made a little loop. And I had multiple people DM me or just reply to it and say, wow, that song sounds really different when it's not on one and a half speed. So obviously a good amount of you people out there listening to this podcast on one and a half speed. You've told me about it. I've tried to do it for efficiency's sake. I can't do it. It doesn't work for me. I don't know about you. You ever done book on tape on one and a half speed? I've never. I, I've tried multiple things on one and a half speed. It's just hard for me to, because then I'm just missing too much. And at the end of the day, how much time am I really shaving? I think a lot, right? Well, if it's 30 so, minutes, it's actually 15 minutes. So I was like, you know what? Out of curiosity, what does it sound like on one and a half speed? So for those of you that listen to this on regular speed, John, if you haven't heard the song, on one and a half speed, it does sound like a different song. Oh now batting number one promo code ham that you was know in law you, you know in law school i i i've heard this i didn't attend uh at a, not to my knowledge you didn't either they teach Correct. you to read really fast yeah right so you can just take in a lot of information really quick because uh-huh. you can't read 200 like pages skim. in a day yeah, yeah skim and uh, so basically smart people read, I think at what you and I probably do at normal speed at one and a half to two speed. I think there's a lot of millennials that consume a lot of audio. Uh, cause you would never listen to Pandora if that was an option. Like you were going for a run. Yeah, you wouldn't Timberlake click, like, album in 14 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Oh, <laughs> Garth Brooks, new song. Fast forward that bad boy. Yeah. You just wouldn't, but I do think an audio, I've done it with books. It does help. But I do think one thing that's happened in the music industry is songs are made more radio-friendly, and radio, you know, does not play the eight-minute songs. seven-minute song. Yeah. Like, songs are two minutes, two and a half minutes long. Um, and, uh, you know, the art has been lost. But You got anything good you're jamming to lately? Uh, no, I need some new music. I mean, I've been listening to uh, – what have I been listening to? Yeah, no, I not real nothing new. So Same. DM me, tweet at me. New well, music, I, this listen, RIP to this guy, Pop Shot or whoever the rapper is that died yesterday. Whenever I see a rapper that died that I've never heard of, I'm like, oh, I want to check out some of his stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I realize again, RIP, this guy died. Shot, you don't want anyone to die that's young. Music was terrible. Really, I, I mean, just I realize like rap music, especially new artists. I try to listen to it, and I just go, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. Also, I do think if it's not something you – like when someone – like media loves doing this. It's like, you know, like porn star dies. And people are like, who? You mean somebody who made a tape once? Like, so I don't know. I'm not saying that's what the case was here. I don't know. But, but, yeah, but sometimes I – like I think Nipsey Hussle. Like he was pretty famous. Yes. I like some of yeah, the songs. Yeah. Like that's more normal. Yeah. If like Metallica dies, like it's kind of universal. I do think there are people – especially some of this younger generation hip-hop, a little niche but I could be wrong. Maybe that's just like the Dr. Dre of the 17-year-olds. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not. Mm-hmm. I- I'm actually really confident it's not, but it might be. Like, if Post Malone died, I'd be like, yeah, a lot of fucking people listen to that guy. Yeah. He's pretty good. I like some of his songs. Right. But I-, but I think there are certain people that are just like, yeah, and just, I don't know. Music's weird You now. don't know. Well, there's a lot of people, John. You don't know. Yeah. Podcasters, Haberman and Middlecoff, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. Uh, media moguls. Okay, so the Combine quickly approaching. You'll be there in a matter of 
days. And um, we talked about on the last podcast, if you guys missed it, kind of the we went through this, the big headlines for Raiders and Niners each, one of them being just Derek Carr's status. Derek Carr, was this Thursday or, or Wednesday that he posted a photo on Instagram of him and Khalil Mack with no I think, caption? I, I, I think it was Thursday morning. Okay, this is very, this is very NBA, John. Uh, Instagram photo, Khalil Mack. My first thought when I saw this and you posted it, you're the one that brought it to my attention, was is he just posting his favorite photos from the last year or is there a hidden message in all this? And, and I do think that at a certain point in time, your name is talked about in trade rumors enough, and it continues to perpetuate itself. And there, then, was a, there, there was a story Wednesday about trade offers. And from that, who? That's, uh, from Mark Davis's go-to source, Vinny which Vegas Is that the Vegas paper now, right? That he writes yeah, for? left the athletic to go work for the Vegas paper. Okay. So he's a, he's a message pusher. And well, that historically, when it comes to the Raiders, specific angle with his stories, guy with his stories on the Raiders. So I think if you have a brain on cuz th- he's been talked about a lot, I think this story and that leak within within the 12 hours multiple posts from Derek that got a little little and like you said NBA-ish. I'd say th- I hate those NBA stories where I'd say this is a little different is this is legitimately the offseason guys are getting traded and he could get traded so there is substance behind this yeah I just That's mean what, analyzing I know what you're saying I know what you're, post. I know what you're saying and I typically hate doing it <laughs> I don't but hate if you tr- I I don't hate it if if there's actually some reality behind it yeah and I, I I think this one got to the point where you go well this guy usually tweets things about that the owner tells him to tweet that again, all it takes is semi-brain. If you play for the team, work for the team, follow the team, there might be a little something here. And even Vinny doubled down, or I mean, kind of backed off because I've I think got them both here. Like, here. I'll read them to you. Yeah, read them. So the first tweet was: "Should be an interesting week in Indianapolis. Growing sense within the league is there are NFL teams prepared to inquire with the Raiders about the possibility of trading for Derek Carr." So he couches it in a way that's like, "Hey." Well, Raiders aren't shopping him, but there's a sense around the league that teams are prepared to inquire. Okay? Then he retweets and follows up with, FYI, I'm not reporting this to mean the Raiders are actively shopping Derek Carr, but between their pledge to leave no stone unturned to improve at every position, including QB, and the interest in Carr around the league, some teams sense an opportunity to trade for him. I mean, he's, he's, he's walking a fine line there. Uh, I, I we're in the podcast business, and thank God we are. A big reason for that is our my Raider breakup became when I called out a Vinny tweet once upon a time, and Raider management came after me with a fury. They were furious. Why would they be furious? Because they gave Vinny the tweet, and I shit all over it. And when he tweets something, there's meaning behind it, and it starts with the owner. Are That's you sure this isn't guy. personal for you, John? That you're clouded. This, your judgment is clouded. I, I don't think it is because I think he consistently tweets what the Raiders think. Like he's in Which, fairness to him, he get yeah. he gets their information from Which, the. By owner. the way, when like I I mentioned Mike Cliss the other day, well, he has a known relationship, and it's not a bias. It's just when Mike Cliss tweets some or says something about what the Broncos are thinking, we believe it. Well, if 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 Mike Cliss tweeted right now, the point is this is believable from from yeah. This I, I, I'm believable. just trying to think if Mike Cliss tweeted right now. There is a growing sense around the league 
that Royce Freeman is available for trade? What would you be like? Does John Elway like Royce Freeman, or would you say Royce Freeman's probably done so? Yeah. Again, just put the pieces together. If this had came from Rapsheet or Schefter, it would be a little more open-ended. I think there would be just, I don't quite know. This could be a, a rival exec. This is pretty clear, and I think Derek's reaction is pretty clear. Now, here's the curveball I'd say for Derek. Derek, they aren't, and I was told this by someone inside the building, they ain't giving him away. I, I, I hadn't even heard they were shopping him, but the Brady thing is real because someone tweeted like, this happens every year. The media makes shit up. Now, the, the Raiders are getting used as leverage by Tom Brady. It's not what's happening. The Raiders want Tom Brady. That is a fact. More than likely, Tom Brady's not going to come to the Raiders. Well, then you start doing, well, Phillip Rivers goes to Indy, and who knows what happens with Jameis, and Tannehill stays with. You start doing the musical chairs. You're like, well, they're not going to get rid of Derek for, like, Dalton. So, Derek, you might come back. Now, coming back might mean come draft time, Jordan Love or Herbert's on your team. That could get weird. But you're not a lock to just get traded to get traded. That's not, that's not happening here. Now, could Derek say something? He's in a weird spot because he's under contract. He makes a lot of money. He hasn't really been winning. So you can't be like, you got to trade me or else. Like, no, who are you? And Derek would get treated like an NFL player. Like, shut up. I think he's kind of in a no man's land. But wouldn't you be shocked if when you and me, a week from the day, Friday, there hasn't been a couple like pretty juicy Derek Carr rumors floating around in the NFL circles? Would I be shocked if there's not any? Yeah, like I, I'm yeah. kind of prepared for like you know the 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 just Tampa like what Bay a Buc- value the, might be. Not even a team. Some of it might yeah, just be well, like I'll, teams I'll, think no. he could be had for a second or. A, I'll know. give I'll give you one. Tampa Bay's very interested in Carr. Uh, the Rivers chose it looking more and more like Indy. They're mm. open to taking Carr at a lower number than Jameis, and they'll let Jameis walk. You know, something like that. Right. I'm just I just made that. And up, they have, but, but you know what? That's a great example. The Bucks have an incentive to make Jameis think that too. 100%. I, I just think Derek Carr, because there's, like, you can't really use Andy Dalton. Like, if I said, you know, the Bucks are willing to let him walk to take Andy Dalton, it'd be like, bullshit. But I do think Carr, we always talk like, that be might be a decent fit with Bruce, right? And the, and the picture with Khalil, it'd be one thing if that's just his buddy, but no caption is like, is it crazy to want to go there? Like, hey, Derek, I got news for you. Chicago Bears are a bigger deal than the fucking Las Vegas Raiders. They're more equipped to win right now. And if they want you, here's the other thing in life. Don't you want to go where you're liked? Like, don't you, you know, when you hear about people that get divorced, they just feel so happy. They're like, yeah, we didn't even like each other. Try to force it. Or someone that gets a new relationship. Like, it is powerful feeling to have the other person like you. That if, if you feel like Mark Davis or these people are down on you, why would you even want to be there? Well, I think like, that's, I to me, that's how I interpret that post, which is, He's been outspoken about wanting to be a Raider, right? At a certain point, you stop throwing yourself out there and you try to change the narrative to, you know what, if you guys don't want me, then let me find a place where I think I can, I can succeed. And I think there is, a, there is truth in, can you, if someone's not all in on you, is that the best place for you? Even if initially that's a hurtful thing to think through. So I don't know if that's what's happening there, but I have, and we've talked about this probably not on the podcast, at a certain point, I've expected it to kind of turn this way. I've told you this, where if if they don't make a definitive the Raiders, this is our guy, and their actions don't make it clear that this is our guy, and anybody that inquires gets shut down. If that doesn't occur, then at some point, he will become a little disenfranchised with them and go, you know what, I'll take my narrative 
into my own in, hands in, and say, I can't succeed here. Maybe I need to move on. In fairness to Gruden, he doesn't deserve that. No, but John, nobody, like, how many quarterbacks do deserve that? Yeah, but I think, like, Jimmy gets legit support. Jimmy, I, I think yeah. a lot. You know, it just, he's at the time, like, Derek, you've been under contract for a while now, and it's been kind of hit or, it's been a roller coaster. And getting ride. paid a lot. And getting paid a shitload. And I know when you talk to people with the Raiders, that's what the money's for, like, to deal with this shit. Like, this is pro sports. This isn't fucking high school basketball. They have, this, to my relationship analogy, this isn't one-on-one. This isn't a relationship. This is a business agreement where you are compensated at the highest level of this country to just kind of take it. And you get all the praise, just like you get all the blame, but you also get all the fucking money. So he just got a payment, I think like last week, of $2.9 million, some guaranteed cash. He obviously makes over 20. He's already banked, I would imagine, if we looked at the numbers, well over 60 in the two years of this deal, right? Or actually, just, yeah, I think because the first year, last year, Jack, even though that deal, when he came back from his injury, it actually kicked in the following year because remember, it was an extension. So, like, it's been the two years of Gruden. He's made probably over $70 million the last two and a half years. So they, they and, in, and this is where I do support them. Like, yeah, we're still figuring things out. You've paid a shitload of money. This is not ideal, but we're also, we haven't made, we've been to the playoffs. Josh Dubow had an incredible tweet. Hmm. We'll talk about this playoff format here in a second. He said, under the new playoff format, the Raiders still would have made the playoffs once in the last 17 years. <laughs> so it's just, that's the reality, right? If this was the Steelers, Oh, you know, Derek had been winning. You'd be like, why are they doing this? This is probably not ideal, right? But they're not. They don't win at all. They, they went on a four-game winning streak this year, and it felt like they thought they were the Patriots. My fucking timeline showed me. And the sniff-sniff and all that bullshit. It was just, w- 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 I didn't forget. You guys won four games because I don't blame you. you. The Raider fans did not handle success well because they don't know success. They, they haven't seen it at all. And this is where I think you and I support, like, Derek really is one of the bright spots, even though it's been a little up and down, of the last two decades, right? Really, him, Khalil, and Amari, you would argue, were kind of the highlights of the last 17 years. The, the lone highlight. Like We don't count when you won some crazy walk-off game on a four-win season. No one gives a fucking shit about that. But you, the year you made the playoffs, your defensive player, one defensive player of the year— your young wide receiver looked like a future star, and your quarterback was in the MVP mix is something you guys haven't experienced in a long time. And that's some good franchise experience all the time. And that's where it does get I, – I, I do understand where fans are just – people that support them, I completely get it. Because you kind of – you rode a wave that you – it's one thing to go a couple years, right? It's another thing to go one playoffs in 17 years. Yeah. This is the NFL guy. This isn't baseball. That's crazy. <laughs> And it, it was those three guys. Wouldn't would you agree? Those three guys were on a pie chart of the reason they made the playoffs that year. Amari, Khalil, and Derek. About eighty percent of it. Well, I can. You know, when you ask me, what are the moments of of that like Del Rio era that are my favorite? One of them is, was it going into the week? Did they play Tampa week one or week two? There was an early season game, John. They ended yeah, up winning. Yeah, it, it was de- it was de- it was in the sun. It and was it light. was in the sun, and there was yeah. and. Amari September game. Amari roasted what's his name, who he had roasted in college, the LSU Har- corner. Uh, no, it was, the, it was Hargraves from Florida. Oh, remember? that's right, that's right. And, and did, didn't he say something like, "Yeah, I've been kicking this guy's ass yes. for seven You know, it was like, "Damn, but, Amari." But for me, the week leading up to that game was, man, this is like two of the potential future triplets of the NFL playing each other here, right? 
Oh, you're saying Jameis, Mike Evans, and him? Yeah, who's the third guy? I don't know, but they had they had some sweet guys. But the point is, it was like Derek, Amari, and uh, maybe it wasn't triplets. Maybe it was the – oh, they had Deshaun. Was it Deshaun? Yeah, they did have Deshaun, I think. So who was the Raiders' know. third guy? Crabtree? This this thing yeah. now is fading to me. But anyway, the point is, well, you, you maybe it was just walk- the duos. Maybe you I'm remember just- who had the you remember who had the walk off touchdown in that game in overtime? I think Seth Roberts. Remember That's he right. like ran into two guys and then he ran to the or that might have been the Tennessee game. I don't know. It's all <laughs> fading away. But the point is, it was Jameis and Evans and Derek and Amari, and I just remember feeling like this is the like we're watching the future right here. It was kind of a sweet game, remember? And didn't it wasn't a pretty explosive? Obviously, the Raiders' defense didn't stop anybody. Yeah, I, I, I I'm with you. I, anyway, just, the it, point is like it, it, it turned very quickly. That was the point. Well, it took a, it took a rapid right turn when they traded Khalil Mack, and then three, three months. Hell, oh, two, two months later, Amari was gone. That's what it was. It wasn't like the three offensive guys. It was just like Khalil, just like the centerpieces of an organization. Yeah, okay. it was just it was a big moment that they Mike Evans, Jameis. I mean, we'll see if Jameis still around. But, but the Raiders are just. If he's gone, it's just over. You know, it's just yeah. To think that they, I I just keep getting back to I don't know trading Derek. We'll see. I'll I'll still be. I don't think he's he probably thinks it's more likely than it actually is. And that's that where it potentially gets weird, right? Is if it if it goes further down the road where he's like, forget this, you guys don't have my back, and then he doesn't get moved. Well, guy, because that's where when it gets you get, weird. when you get into these weird situations. It's human nature. You start assuming things, right? You start because it's gotten weird this offseason already for him. Really weird because it's not just like, oh, they might get Andy Dalton. They're going after Tom Brady. Well, Derek's not a fucking moron. He knows if they get Tom Brady, I'm gone. So you start assuming, well, what, what about Rivers? What Does this guy even like me? He's human. I, I get it. We've all been there. But I, I know this, and I've learned this the hard way. Assuming things are, is so stupid. Because you, it makes you an ass out of you and me, right? But it is so true because you just, you just don't know. I have I have I mentioned um, Hanlon's razor on this show? No. Occam's razor. Uh, that one's like the simplest. You know, answer is probably the correct one. The simplest like a, explanation. I don't know what. What do you mean, one. razor? Like to shave your face? No, it's it's like a philosophical. Gotcha. Educated, yeah. So Hanlon's razor is is I heard this one like a year ago and I love it, and this applies to this type of situation to a degree, but it basically is this: don't assume malice when you can explain a situation by stupidity, right? And I think we do that a lot. We're like, this person did that; they must be trying to screw me. Where they might have just cut you off in traffic because they didn't see you, or they were distracted, or they got their kid is has chicken pox and that's on their mind. They're not trying to fucking run you into the guardrail. It happens a lot. I think in a workplace where you're like, my boss hates business, right? My, my boss hates me or my coworker hates me. They're trying to screw me. or He's trying to take my commission. And it just might be laziness, ineptitude, stupidity, whatever. And I do think whether it's true or not, thinking like that is just better for your own mental health. Right? Like, yeah, Odds are, if you're in 10 situations, most of the time someone's not trying to screw you. And if you just eliminate that part of your thought process, are you being naive? You might in a situation or two.
but you also will just save your own energy and brain power and just take care of your own shit. And that's hard to do in the NFL because the stuff that teams are trying to do to you when they're trying to improve your team, they're not trying to screw you, but they're doing things behind the scenes that might never come to fruition. The problem is not the problem for us, but the problem for a player is it gets reported. It gets discussed. Now you're embarrassed. Now you're personally hurt. Now you look bad. And that's where it gets weird. But, you know, if the media didn't exist, all this stuff would still be happening. The players just wouldn't know as much about it. Great point. John, from that, we move on we to do. Untuck It. And this podcast yep. is brought to you by Untuck It. Untuck that It. it is. The promo code is ham. Come on, people. You use the promo code. You get 20% off. You get great-looking shirts. I have them. You have them. You're going to go on a date. You're going to go on a job interview. You're going to just go out day drinking with your boys. Untuck It has stuff for everybody. Long sleeves, button-ups, short sleeve button-ups, collared shirt. They, they got it all, and I have them all. I own probably six or seven Untuck It's. Untuckit.com, promo code HAM, 20% off. You and I have been wearing these shirts now for over a couple years. I'm wearing one right now. If you guys could see me. Oh, yeah, you got the red, red one. That red you got, your, you got the Valentine's good. red one. Woo-hoo! Just visit untuckit.com and use the promo code ham 20% off your first order, guy. Even free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. All right. Go How do you it. beat that? No, you don't beat it. Also, they got the store. You can go look at it. But like John said, free shipping and returns. You don't have to go to the store. But if you want to go to the store, they got new stuff all the time. It's a cool spot to go. They can help you out there. All right. Um, there are negotiations going on between the players and the owners under a new uh, CBA proposal from the NFL. The owners want to expand the playoffs and also increase the regular season. Money, money, money. Forget about the 18-game regular season we talked about. They want 17 games. They want to shorten the preseason by one game. So 16 plus 4, 17 plus 3, you still get 20. 17 regular season, 3 preseason. But also expand the playoff field to seven teams in each conference. So expand by one. Now only the one seed would get a bye in the postseason. Wild card weekend. So before we talk about like the CBA part of this and the money and all that, do you, would you just like this as a consumer, the playoffs? See, to me, the CBA shit right now doesn't mean any. Like the headline is the playoffs. That is a pretty dramatic move, guy. Having a two seed is a pretty freaking big deal. Like that was the number one story the last week of the season. The Niners win. They're the one seed. If they lose, Seattle would have been the two seed, depending on the Saints and the Packers. The fucking Ryan Fitzpatrick leads the game-winning drive against the Patriots. The Chiefs get the two-seed. Having a bye or playing that weekend is a dramatic swing. So I, my first reaction is, because always it comes back to the great part about baseball, the regular season, guys, can be boring. It, it, can, be, it can drag. It can be the dog days for a couple months. But the playoffs, it means something to get in. I'm like, okay. And they're like, and I saw this yesterday. You're gonna forty-four percent of the league would get into the playoffs. I did the math. Well, they added two teams, so what was twelve out of thirty-two? It's like thirty-eight percent if you round up. So it's not that big a deal. I actually don't mind it because uh, if you look at it, like in college, you don't get a buy. You just go. It's the final four in college basketball. You play right away. Now, technically, you get a buy in the sense of you you're the one seed, so you play the sixteen, or you're the two, you play the fifteen. It's a much easier game. But I honestly, the way you talk to anyone in business, you constantly have to be growing. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. 
So they have to keep growing. Now, the counter yesterday is what the great thing they have going right now. If it's not broke, don't fix it. You can't think like that. There's a reason Tiger Woods kept changing his swing in his peak. Like that's just there's a reason these guys go into the lab and keep adding things, whether we're talking about players or businesses. I, I like it. I, I think the NFL does a good job of adapting on the fly, of of not like going over the top on crazy swings like the NBA tried to go. And I I supported Adam Silver on his midseason tournament, uh, but like the NFL players, like it's just an extra playoff game because actually the players don't benefit that much financially from the playoffs. The league does, but as the fans, which I think the NFL is the number one fan league because it's just so easy to consume. How do you how, how do you have any issue with it? It's your team. You have a better chance to make the playoffs if you're eight and eight or nine and seven, and you're still the seven seed, right? You're not. It's not like you're just getting in. You're getting a home game, right? It's just an extra wild card, right? And now I think feel to me better. to me the to me the biggest question is, do you like the two seed getting yanked away? No, or, but it does make the it does make that race to the end pretty you know pretty impactful. So the the Steelers would have made the playoffs all they, they've they've made it six of the last ten years they would have made it all ten. Oh, and Cut, Cutler would have had a stretch where he had four straight bursts. <laughs> what I meant though was more about the one seed, and so I would not love the idea of hurting the two seed. Not just because I like a couple teams getting a bye, but also because I don't know that the race for the is the race for the one seed. To me, when you have multiple buys, it's just. It's another – I like, part of me wonders, should you just make it eight teams and still give two buys? Because the race for the one seeds, it just usually isn't that – like, at the end, the Ravens won, were the one seed by two games this year. Um, but, it, but, it cha- but it changes if, the one, if there is no two seed. That one seed would have been a much bigger deal. Right. So what I'm like saying pa- is pa- the one part seed's of, a huge part deal. Of the reason but, that- no, no, but what I'm saying is the race for the one seed clearly is a big deal, but how often is the difference between the one seed and the two seed like really close? Well, this year with the Niners it was. But yeah, um, in the West it was in the um NFC it was close. Yeah. I think you'd have to look back. I, I think it's probably hit or miss. But it's also different once you get the two seed. You're right. Like you can you you can just be a little content cuz the two seed and the one seed at the end of the day like not that big a deal. A lot of two seeds make it to the Super Bowls, right? Yeah, a lot of two seeds are. A lot of two seeds. Right. Here's the difference under the current a, format. Yeah, a lot of two seeds are playing in the NFC or AFC championship game. That would not be the case anymore, right? And I, I bet if we if we see a ten year sample size, the amount of two seeds that will be in the championship game relative to the last ten years would probably might get cut in half because just this year. Do you know what the matchup would have been in the NFC? Packers Rams. The, the the Packers would have been no lock to win that wild card weekend game against the Rams. Because think about the Rams match up pretty well. They got a dominant defensive lineman against their average interior offensive line, and the Packers had one good deep, good wide receiver. Well, what did the Rams trade for in midseason? Jalen Ramsey. Where, who, where would Jalen Ramsey go? Where Devontae went? Well, that game would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. Instead, the Packers are the two seed. They fucking walk to the championship game. They get they get a Seattle team that just played a crazy ass game against Philly, and just ran out of juice. So, I that to me it, it opens up a lot more teams to have a chance to make a run at the Super. And Bowl. you know what I always say: it doesn't matter who wins the championship as long as somebody does. As long as you, having the playoffs is more important than like getting it right. Like doesn't that, really is matter. That, is that Plato Haberman? Yeah, because it's it's you know 
having the most fair, blah, blah, blah. They, as long as you have the postseason and somebody wins it, it doesn't matter who won it in the end in terms of just the, your business or your sport. Like, if you're the owners, you don't – more teams, what's the drawback? The two seed, it's less fair for the two seed? Yeah, whatever, right? Like, we got an extra game. Who cares? I think it's less fair for the two seed because I do think the two seed is – like, the gap between the two seed and the one seed is usually pretty close. Well, yeah, it's usually like 13-3 and three and 12-4, and four, and the 12-4 and four team – would be playing like an eight and four or eight and eight or nine and seventeen. And, that, and often the, dramat- you the agree, difference between the two you could and seven argue, is big. A lot of times you could argue the two seeds just as good or better than the one seed, but you didn't all play the same schedule. Blah blah blah, whatever. But you can view those teams pretty equally. I'd say about ninety percent, ninety five percent of the time, the one and two seeds in both conferences are the clear two best teams, right? Yeah, that's. Uh, yes. Yep. I agree. I think usually the tier drop off is after them. Yeah. So, here's the element in which I like it. The one good part about the NFL is so many teams are still kind of in the mix, like the second half of the season. Maybe not on hole like 17 and 18, but on like hole 14, our team like the Raiders, you know, a team like the Steelers, a team like the Rams this year, the Bears, you're like, we're still kind of alive. Now it really, on hole 14, 15 for those teams, you're thinking you're making the playoffs. That, that to me adds a lot of juice to the league because on some years when it's really cl- hard to make a playoffs in like a given conference where it's like nine and seven, ain't making the playoffs this year, right? Like this is just a stacked year. 10 and six would be the last wild card. And that, and there might be multiple teams at 10 and six. Like it, it does allow more teams and more fan bases just to be locked in. Yeah, bro, we might make the playoffs. Because yeah, if your team has a chance to play Wild Card Weekend, that's a big deal. The, the downside, the downside to it potentially is, and you would to shoot the uh, my Plato, to shoot an arrow in it would be well, it does kind of matter who plays in the games in the end because you want your best teams playing because your best teams probably have will get the most viewership because they've just been the best teams all year and that's important. And so you do just raise the possibility that somebody who quote unquote shouldn't be playing is playing. But that kind of happened this year, right? Like, both conference championship games were like, well, at the end of the day, did the four best teams end up in the in the, in the final four of the NFL? No. You still got to play the games, though. Like, in fairness, the Saints got beat fair and square. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, you it's, it's no, no doubt. You, you, it's part of sports. You might you lose. You don't deserve anything beyond the opportunity, but you just raise the possibility when you have a format that is one-game playoffs like the NFL has that you end up with a Super Bowl that's like, oh, how did those oh, – that's not the best thing for our viewership. How often does that happen, though, no, it in let, the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it's I, – I think it's because you still have to win football games. It happens in the NCAA tournament, you know? It definitely happens there. I would Where you say go, God, that, we love – and Cowherd has said this for years. Everyone loves the underdog until it's Wichita State's in the Final Four. Until you have to watch it. It's cool to talk about it, but you're like, are you watching Boise State, Fresno State, BCS game? You're not. Yeah, I mean it's cool until you get exactly until you get to that game. Like, there's a reason they want Ohio State in there, and that's where the that's where the little guy is like, you just want the Lakers. Why do you just want the Lakers? They're getting all the calls, and then you realize Tim Donaghy gets popped by the mob. You're like, maybe they do. What is going on here? <laughs> Conspiracy theories usually start with a little bit of substance. Yeah, I I, I like it, and I think it's clearly we're getting it, which is cool. So what about the business side of this? Because there was an ongoing argument on Twitter and beyond. Jeff Schwartz has been tweeting a lot about it. I saw, <laughs> I saw this tweet 
um, from uh, Chad Forbes, who uh, at NFL Draft Bites. Did you see this tweet? No. Um, he said, text from a league executive on current CBA negotiation. At this point, only two people could screw up an agreement, Richard Sherman and Russell Okun. Everyone involved recognizes owners have the leverage and are winning the negotiation. Okun and Richard are the most vocal. So R- Richard's obviously trying to the, – the, the players rarely are operating in this sport from a place of strength because they're just disadvantaged by some basic elements of the sport. Yeah, you want to talk about Richard specifically? Yeah, or yeah. Just I mean, I, I like the my my point in reading that is not we can't be in the room necessarily, but my point in reading that is just the 49ers guy is a person who fights for not just his own teammates, but he's Richard Sherman has become a guy who is doing what he thinks is best for the league at its whole. While he's clearly, you know, he most of his career is behind him, not ahead of him. Although I wouldn't tell him that because he still thinks he's got many years left. But the point is like. The Niners have somebody who's not just a locker room leader, but a league leader. I Googled last night his career earnings. And at when next season ends, like after he finishes his contract with the Niners, it'll be almost $80 million. Wow. And I think if you factored in Richards off the court, remember when he was doing like uh, beef jerky stuff and he clearly just had endorsements over the years. Oh, that's right. Made, with Stephen A. Yeah, he's made a lot of money. And what made – what I'd be proud if I was a player in the league – is last time around, it was actually my first year in the league, the lockout happened. Do you remember the guys at the front and center in the lockout were like Jeff Saturday? I th- maybe mm-hmm. Drew Brees played a little bit of a role, but it wasn't Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and at the time like Ed Reed. and like, Those guys, they're so rich, they don't care. And if I was a super rich player, I probably wouldn't care either. Maybe I'd be really passionate, who knows, but probably not. I know myself. Because I'd be like, well, I'm not even like most players. And I, I think it speaks to two, twofold. Like you said, Richard is one. He's just really impressive. He belongs in that room, right? Just look at his resume. Went to Stanford, clearly one of the most outspoken players in the league. And really, if you take away sometimes when he's, like, talking shit, he does have some really well-thought-out just ideas. And, two, he, like, he's negotiated his own contract. So, like, there is an element of clearly he's kind of in on all this. I think the ultimate problem for a guy like Richard Sherman, and this is the league's problem as a whole, is that Richard Sherman could easily wa- do a lockout or a strike. Like, he has enough money to be unfazed for six months and really press them to the fire. Right. The majority of the league is not. And that's where I think what's cool about Richard, I think Richard understands that. Like, I, that's what makes Richard really just, like, perfect for this role is he's like one of the quote-unquote, he's like the elites that actually cares about the blue-collar guy. You know, that's what makes him unique in this area. Most of the time, the elite guy just at the top of the hill. Like, Richard's actually fighting for the undrafted free agent and, the and like, the seventh-round rookie that at any moment tears his knee in training camp can get screwed. And I also think it's symbolic on the Niners. Like, obviously, Kyle and John Lynch really stabilized everything. But I think this year with Richard playing well, you saw an element to me of Seattle that wasn't there the first couple years. Just an edge to the way they just kind of conducted themselves. And you can't tell me that this guy didn't kind of set the tone. I I think there's elements, and you and I talked before the podcast, to Iguodala with the Warriors. The one thing Iguodala, by the time he got to the Warriors, had clearly done is like swallowed his ego and pride on. Now, he he was still really good, and he won the finals MVP, but he was not making really all-star games anymore. Like, Richard Sherman wasn't all pro this year. 
But like Andre would just do all the little shit. So then if your staff Clay and Draymond, who at the time that Andre had accomplished way more, you kind of did all the little shit. And now doing all the little shit has just become part of their mantra and just what those guys do with Andre gone. I would imagine next year, like Clay's going to be playing hard defense. Draymond's doing all the little shit. Look at the Niners. Like everyone plays hard. Buckner plays hard. Bosa plays hard. Fred Warner plays. That was like Seattle. There was just a standard. And I think that sometimes to get a standard, and you've talked to a million coaches over the years, like their voice only goes so far. You talk to my buddies on the Chiefs, like, I can't tell you fucking about the Honey Badger. Like, what he just... And I was like, I, I say the same thing. I'm like, I, I don't think it gets talked about enough. Richard, just the pulse of the team. You know, just, this guy's willing to throw his body. I, I can't not tackle. What's film room going to be like on Wednesday if, like, Richard Sherman lit the guy up in the next play, I turned it down. And you just look over there. He's he's And it's even different than Iguodala because Richard legitimately is one of the most famous players in the league, right? Just given how long he's been a star, yeah. And you just say and his how name, how much he's like, won, how much he's won. He's a champion. He's been to another. He's been to three Super Bowls. The coaches matter a ton. We always give a head coach, I think, too much responsibility for the tone of a of an organization. I think anyone that's been around a co a football in particular, you've been in it. Coaches, there's too many players for coaches to like for one head coach. To just influence every guy, man to man, it just there's the, not enough in, of that in the sport in the sport of football. In the sport of football, like now, a coach does set the stage, right? He does set the tone, but I think a big part of that is bringing in players who will echo that tone or carry that tone or execute it. I think a coach can kind of put it out there, but for it to um, really kind of resonate and grow and flourish, you do you need players. You need players. Do you think Phil Jackson's a better coach having coached Kobe and Michael Jordan? Yeah, but I, I think Phil, this is where like people, I know that you're not doing this, but people discredit Phil because he coached those guys. And I would argue coaching star players is really hard. Like finding the right line of getting them to do what you want them to do is really hard. Guys who can coach, how many coaches do we see that coach star players and then they get replaced? No, but my, my point is, is Phil was going to be great no matter what. Probably good no matter what. But to become great, like, you have to get the specific guy. Like, well, Belichick see, really took off when he had the guy feeding his message. Yeah, I mean... I, I guess the, my the, ultimate the, point here, though, guy, is when you are a good coach, and I think there are a lot of good coaches, you can become great by surrounding yourself with the perfect right guys around you whether it's football it's three or four players and the quarterback yeah. in basketball it's the one player that just gives the message and the message to me is always going to be the same it's going to be selfless for the team and even like that's Steph Curry that's Tim Duncan that's Richard Sherman that's Tom Brady that's fucking anybody it to me basketball and football I have a lot I don't know if baseball parallels it perfectly but basketball and football the team like you can't Michael Jordan could not survive without his other teammates Richard Sherman cannot survive without the other 10 guys. But I think when you set that standard, like when Draymond's playing his ass off, it's kind of hard to lollygag. And when you see, you're like, God, D'Angelo will just keep lollygagging. You just know he doesn't give a shit. I just like, think, I, so, you know, as, I, as I'm listening to you talk, I think, and I think about what Emmanuel Sanders said about Kyle, I think culture gets over-attributed to the coach and under-attributed to players. I, Stan Van Gundy, I heard him say the other day, there is you go you go look at a Hall of Fame. There's a lot of great players that didn't play for great coaches, but there are no great coaches that didn't have great players, right? 
It's a great line. Like all of us in theory can, I, this is what I want our culture to be. But then you got it. Then we slice out the coaches who, who don't have, for whatever reason, the ability to get the players to follow who aren't great leaders. But you still need the right. You got. You have to identify the play. The Niners' identification of Richard Sherman as a good football player, you could argue, is one of the pillar, the the central pillars of why they are where they are today. A couple of years later, if if I told you that the league knew exactly what Richard was going to be playing like, because I, I think everyone loved him as a person, right? They loved what he was going to. They were terrified that his career was over when he tore his Achilles. Yeah. If I said that that Richard Sherman was going to be an All Pro by year two. Name me the five teams that would have been the most aggressive to get Richard Sherman. Yeah, the Patriots. The Eagles. Hell, the Seahawks. Uh, C- Seattle might have kept them. Dallas. Uh, Pittsburgh. The Rams. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear who would have wanted them, right? I mean, hell, he might have been a Patriot. So, it's just one of those moments that when you look back, like, I give Iguodala a lot of credit. Like, he chose the Warriors, remember? He was. Like, God, I saw you. I want in. Richard was kind of there to be had, and and Kyle immediately because remember Marcus Thompson had a had a connect at that restaurant and was like sources Richard Sherman and I'll never forget it he tweeted Richard Sherman and Kyle Shanahan having dinner right now it was a big story on Twitter mm-hmm. and it was at some restaurant in Moraga or San Jose or not Moraga but one of those places down there Los Altos Hills and the rest is history remember like by the end of the next night he was a 49er. And now, when we look at how successful this year was, but just how physical they were, and just how high level of a guy he was, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl, so it's not. I, I can't parallel to Deion Sanders, but Deion that that one year deal gets so much hype. This had a moment where they just hit a home run on a signing, like they wouldn't trade that. He's worth probably double what they ended up paying him. He's going to make $30 million three years. They would have gladly paid probably 45 50 for what he brought to the table, right? They got a deal at the end of it. And Richard was highly paid, and he hit the incentives, and he made his money. But it was uh, it was a win for Richard because he right scheme fit, which is important for Sherman. But to me, it was more a win for the Niners. Yeah. I like to give ourselves credit on this, John, because we went to the first OTAs when Richard was out there, but before we could participate – and um, we both came away like, you know, we don't want to overstate it, but in terms of just a guy, like he is out there talking to coaches, talking to players, running around, encouraging young guys. Oh, just damn, I'd never seen him in a practice environment. Now, he still had to get on the field, but we both said at that time, now there's a lot of times you go to a practice like, oh, this guy, and then it doesn't matter because he can't play, but that was not the case with him. What One thing I miss about Sports Illustrated basically being dead is there would be – 10 articles a year you just never forget. You're like, God, remember that piece on Tiger Woods? Remember that piece on fucking Michael Jordan? There was a piece one time I remember reading about Russell Westbrook, and the quote was Nick Collison. Just describe. It was a long piece on Russell. When you read one of those pieces, like Jenkins would write of the basketball ones, you're like, God, I love this guy. And his quote on Russell Westbrook was like, the way I describe him to people was he really, really gives a shit. And they're just a small number of people. And I remember hearing an interview Kobe did after he died and a bunch of stuff was going viral. He's like, you get to the NBA and you think everyone gives a shit. And it's just not the fact. It's just not true. You know, a lot of guys are just God-given talent. They get here. The money's so good. They just try to last. Sports, that, there's a lot of that in sports. You know, they just, most, football might be a little different, but it's still, you know, like Baseball or basketball, there's a percentage of guys that are just doing it. They don't really love football. 
And then there are guys that kind of like football, but it's not their life. That, that's the, the lane I'd put myself on as someone that like involved in the NFL. I was around a lot of people, coaches, executives, that guy love football. Like their level of give a shit on football is at a 10. And that's what the best coaches, the best like GMs, the best players. This guy's give a shit level. Look, to me, it symbolizes what he's doing with the NFLPA. Why is he doing this guy? Because he cares. Like, this thing means a lot to him. Like, he's so rich, he's so famous, He this is, should not be his fight. This should be, you know, like the young up-and-comer guy's fight. Or But but you know what? I think he recognizes that that guy can't fight this fight. No, but I'm even saying, like, like why you couldn't pay Tom Brady to do this no, shit. Yeah, but I, no, you're right. But I'm just saying, like, ultimately, whoever is going to successfully fight that fight has to fight it from a position where they have some personal leverage, where they say, look, guys, I'm telling you, I know this. Because they are going to be talking to people who don't have the same leverage, and that, to me, is always the key, right? Generally, the people who rise to lead a large group... Um, Haberman's getting deep. Today. Well, yeah, that's why I stopped myself. I don't want to make too general a statement, but uh, because it, it, it doesn't always relate. But the point is just like, to raise to that level, sometimes you have to be fighting for something that you will not necessarily benefit from. You know, you know where, though, if Tom, let's say Tom was involved with Richard, where both those guys, and obviously Tom's not, he's way too rich, way too famous, doesn't have the time, that Richard can go, listen, guys, I started like many of you, that if I would have shattered my leg in training camp, I was a fifth-round pick. I, was, I, I had to fight for scroff and claw for fucking everything. Like, he actually is a relatable leader. Right, yeah. because sometimes like Patrick Peterson was staying up there. It's like, yeah, you were a three-time All-American. You got drafted fifth. <laughs> yeah, it's you, not a first-round pick. Yeah, you, you, Patrick Peterson's like, yeah. What's the lowest amount you've ever made, PP? You're like, ah, my first couple years, I made about seven and a half. <laughs> the last, you know, six, I've averaged about, you know, fourteen. <laughs> it's like, uh, Richard's like, my first four years, I made six hundred thousand dollars. So it's he's just a unique. He's really one of the unique characters in league history, is he not? Definitely in the modern the last 20 years. Yeah. You know? Yep. Like, he's leaving a legacy. Like, him and Revis will always have that little thing, and I actually don't think it'll die because they'll both be in the Hall of Fame one day. I think Richard's football life will be remembered much more strongly, right? To- Champion. One th- yes, John, there was no question. One guy. What's one guy known for? I'm a business, just money. I guess Revis did go to the Super Bowl with the Patriots, but – that was just one off. Like Richard did it. Like Richard didn't just go to jump to the Patriots. He jumped to the 49ers, who were terrible. Well, he had to prove himself again after he was proven. To me, that's part of that story, right? Is Richard he, he, was Richard m- a Hall of Famer when he left Seattle? I think so. So like close enough where it's like he had a qual- but, but yeah, I don't, you're right. I don't, if he had like never one. played again, I don't know. What do you been think? Tough? He's a lo- he's a lock now. Right? He's a after lock this yeah, year with me, the Niners. Yeah, so he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree. John, before we move on, let's tell the people about Simply Safe. Every night, local police departments across America get hundreds of calls from burglar alarms, except they have no idea what the crime is. They don't know if the alarm is real. They, it could be a cat scratching at a window. I don't know. Meow. Not with Simply Safe Home Security. They have video evidence. Police get an eyewitness account of the crime. Police dispatch up to 350% faster than normal for a burglar alarm. I know this. If somebody at the NFL Combine next week is 350% faster than all their opposition and competition, they are getting the pick. And that's why Simply Safe should be your pick. 
SimplySafe.com slash ham today. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go there now so they know we sent you. SimplySafe, that's S-I-M-P-L-I-Safe.com slash ham. That's SimplySafe.com slash ham. We have to start. We ha- There's only one place to start with headlines, right? <laughs> Viva La Mexico? Yes. Do you know how much Greg Robinson has made in his career? I'm going to, I do not. I'm going to guess. Nope. Number gonna, two overall pick. Yeah, about I'm, I'm going to guess he's made $60 million. A little high because okay, CBA I'm gonna, changed. I'm going to guess he's made $45 million. Yeah, I think it was like over 30. Okay. All right. So because he was he was only a one contract guy. Remember he was a bust with the Rams. Never got another contract. But sorry, I'm thinking contract, of Roger Saffold. How much has he made? Yeah, he's probably made about ninety. Okay. But so great. But again, thirty million dollars. And even someone tweeted last year. Even after he was a bust, the Browns gave him five hundred thousand dollars. He went to Mexico, but he didn't just go to Mexico. He rented a car and paid someone to drive him. This is like we're and the he, Millers. And he got about 157,000 or 157 pounds of marijuana. Yep. Where he did not tell the driver, so the driver just drove back like normally <laughs> and just went through customs without knowing anything, and they got popped. Thanks to the now, police dog. And, and Rovell nine, nine tweeted, problems and the bitch was one. <laughs> Rovell tweeted, depending where you are, location, three hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars worth of street drugs. Okay. Here would be my thing, Greg. I get, and I, I believe this. I think cheap is a disease. Like, you have it from when you're really young. You don't shake it. If you're a cheap person, your, your wealth and what you make, whether you're, it doesn't affect, like, you will always be cheap. Just like there are poor people that are really giving. Like, it's an individual thing. Like, I, I believe cheap people are like draft prospects. Every individual is different. But once you're cheap, you're cheap forever. Like, it's just something ingrained in you. I don't have it in me. I am not to toot my own. I'm a giving individual. Mm. And, I don't, and I don't have anywhere near $30 million. But I'm talking legitimately cheap. And this, to me, is the ultimate cheap move. Because, guy, weed is legal in like 30 states. Now, it'd be more expensive, but you could get a large amount of marijuana legally. And you would not get in trouble. I would imagine he goes to Mexico. He got it at a major, major discount. Wait, so what do you think his end game is here? You I don't think, think he's trying game, to resell it? Yeah, he's going to resell it. Yeah. Maybe he's going to open up a dispensary. Right. But instead of buying from another dispensary at cost, he's going to get, let's say, I'm just going to use flat numbers, no clue if this equates. Instead of, let's say he could get that same in the States for 250 grand. He goes to Mexico where he can pay fucking 60000 cash. So you're like, fuck, I'll just pay someone $10,000 to drive me from wherever. Maybe it's less than that. I guess what I'm saying, what I wonder is, is he cheap? He might be. But it also might be there are, I think, some just some basic hurdles to legal marijuana distribution in this country right now, right? Yeah, but guy, you could get the weed. So whether you open a dispensary or sell it on your own is that's a. I'm not even getting that. But I'm saying I'm if you getting, buy it legally, you can't sell it at a profit unless you are just because if you bought it legally, now you selling it at street value is not going to make you money, right? Okay, let's even even just. Yeah, potentially. 
but the bottom line is I, I think you could. Yeah, one. you're right. He might be doing the thing where it's like you go to your local corner store and they're selling all the bottles of water that say not marked for resale because they bought them at Costco and they're just trying to make a little more profit. He might be trying to launch a real business with illegal product. Let's assume that. Let's okay. assume he was actually wanting to do something above board. He just saw something that he could make dramatically more money, even though they're like, hey, man, you, you know, you, you're not allowed to do that. And this isn't one of those like, can I put some edibles in my pocket and get on the plane? You're like, yeah, they'll probably make you throw it away in 2020. This is you're going to jail for 20 years. And I'm someone that believes for being this stupid when you have that type of wealth, he deserves jail for being a moron. And I'm pro weed. Weed's been good to us. Yes, it has. Uh, yeah. I do you think it was one of the? Do you think the dog? Do you think 157 pounds is an easy bust for the dog? Guy, I, I think the dog would sniff a half a pound. Well, that's what that, I'm saying. But, but did but you what see I mean them is, lay it out? How much weed there was? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, what is the average amount of weed the the person they usually catch is trying to bring into the country? I guess is my question. Like, is the yeah, dog no. like, dude? I smelled you from fucking half a mile away, man. What is wrong with you? It'd be like this, guy. If I told you, Guy Haberman something six inches, and I said, hey, jump over this thing six inches, you'd be like, are you serious? If I said, Guy, let's go to, play, uh, let's go to the gym, I want you to touch the rim. You're like, that's impossible. Like, there are probably things that are really hard for the dog. You jumping six inches, you could do it. That dog was like, are you, are you fucking serious? You, you, the dog's probably looking at Greg. Like, they looked at the you, new dog like, hey, you take this one. You moron. His ass could have smelled it. Like, give me a break. Like, this is, this is beyond stupid. That's why everyone's making fun of him, because this is legitimately beyond. If weed was legal in America, it would be dramatically less stupid. I'd be like, illegal. this guy made a bold. Yeah, illegal. This guy made a bold move, got nailed. It's, guy, it's legal in countless states. Like, you can buy this amount of money or this amount of weed. What's he doing? He's rich. He's going to jail. He is going to jail. People in jail are like, dude, what are you doing here? Well, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. I like this one, John, from an article about uh, uh, cheating in baseball. Brett Anderson said, quote, I know the A's weren't cheating because, one, I don't know if they could afford to do it. And to relay from fucking 300 yards away in a video room, what were we going to do? Get some vendor to throw some popcorn up in the air or something? It's too fucking far to relay something. Anderson joked the only way for Oakland to communicate would be through the ballpark's decaying infrastructure. The lights go out if it's a curveball, and if there's a sewage backup, it's a fastball. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's that's hard to beat. Yeah. He's right, though, right? I mean, it's just the where the drummer would be is way far away. Uh, yeah, it's just the A's aren't cheating. It's yeah, impossible. so people who don't know, like, you've got the, the clubhouse. You've got to walk back behind... Like home behind plate. home plate, and then you got to walk up like two little flights of stairs. It is a long, long, long way away. Yes, that's that's the funniest thing I saw all day. You that, could that have the guy in the bathroom, right behind the bathroom door, talking out of the bathroom door. I guess. What do you think about David Ortiz taking shots at Mike Fires? Fires or fires? Fires. Yeah, I mean natural. I saw somebody. I don't. I wish I'd remember who tweeted this. Was like, well, I guess we know the Red Sox punishment is about to come down. Um, I get it. I don't think it's the right take, but I get why players would like, Hey man, how dare you? You made money. You like, I think it would be useful if Mike fires did like a wide ranging interview and said, yeah, I've had to think about my role in all this because yes, I did benefit from it. But at the end of the day, I think it's wrong. And ultimately that's why I talk. Like, I do think that would be valuable. Um, just, you know, for the, 
for the conversation that's going on. Uh, but I, I mean, to me, it doesn't shock me that players, some players feel the, the Jessica Mendoza take, so to speak. Is there any chance that you would miss Mike Fires versus the Astros the first time they play this year? No. Or is that I will like, not miss no, that. you don't even care? No, I care. Yeah, I okay, definitely I'm care. Watching. I'm, I'm keeping kidding? a close eye. I'm, I'm kind of into the Astros, guy. I'm going to keep an eye on the I'm, Astros. Dude, I, I'm with you. I'm okay, into uh, the Astros. I, I, I mean, I don't like them, but I do. There's going to be a point where I can see myself just like, you know what? Yeah. Stand, yeah. You've taken enough shots. Time to time to this. Will, by the way, I know I like said your take this. on Cutler. Why you ended up getting? Yeah, back that, that, that was a bad. Him. That was a bad decision by me to take Cutler's back. Um. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't like this. I, I'm not taking their World Series away. I'm not doing that shit. Well, I did see Fox Sports tweeted out the splits of those guys yeah. in the World Series. Oh, I know. It was pretty dramatic, guys. Oh, well, I, I just to me, it's like now we're going to open a Pandora's box of like, what else are we taking away and from who? Because there's a lot no, of shit to start taking away, steroid-wise. Uh, well, that's, you notice the Red Sox haven't said much, but they might have been full on cheating, too. They had, guy, they had the greatest year in the history of the franchise in 2018. They won like 117 games. Yeah. They dominated. Uh, this is a pretty good one. Kind of out of nowhere, you might have been following this a little closer than me. And I was texting with someone on midweek, and I realized I started texting you. Steve Sarkeesian, by the time you listen to this, we're recording this about lunchtime on a little after this lunchtime. Late lunch, yeah. hungry. It's still going to be time to eat afterwards. Sark, the head coach at Colorado? I think he's – so the late as of recording, there was a report that, uh, that Sark, Troy Calhoun at Air Force – doesn't he run the triple option? Uh, yeah, but that, but you know, I think he only runs it because he's the coach at Air, Air Force. I don't. I mean, he he was the offensive coordinator for the um, for the Texans for Gary Kubiak in 06, and he was on the Broncos staff for three years before that. So he can do other stuff. Yeah, I I I've always kind of heard through the grapevine that like he is a candidate for a lot of jobs, and that he wants another job because I think you know I think people you get, in, pigeon, you get pigeonholed, you get pigeonholed a little, you get typecast, but he wouldn't you know he wouldn't run that. Um, he won 11 games this year, beat Colorado. But yeah, man, I at this point, I think Steve Sarkeesian is going to be Colorado's next coach. Um, I'll be surprised if he's not. I think Brett Bielema would be a great candidate. Doesn't feel it feels to me like Eric Bieniemy and Colorado have been set up on a date by their friends, and both of them are like, yeah, you know, people are trying to push us together, but both of us are fine not continuing this. But we had a nice time, and we'll split the bill. Um, oh, you didn't even go home. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. No, because the report was there was like periodic contact between them. So I don't, I don't really know. Enemy, what to make the enemy of that. just at home. His dime is Andy and Mahomes. Yeah, he's and, like and, my ex is hot. Yeah, and I, I he's like, you pay, what, what is the? How good is your roster? Like, do you even have a quarterback? Can I win this year? And they're I, like, I know. you know, I don't. It went, went bad the last time you were here. I've never gotten the sense that either one is particularly thr- like enamored with the other. There are going to be parallels between Lane and Sark. I would say here's the difference. Lane had some personality issues and his offense just underachieved, but no one, and I repeat, no one ever said, you know what, Sunday morning meeting, special teams, Lane couldn't show up because he was asleep. Yeah. Sark got fired. The morning Sark got fired was he was inebriated at the morning meeting. And remember, players were like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. And that was Pat Hayden. That n- nothing close. Wasn't there to the that. report of like a game too or something? 
Oh, the Arizona State game. He's like wearing the hat his, real low and the Yeah, that his you could smell it on his breath. Yeah. That to me, would you agree, is dramatically worse than any story that's ever come out about Lane. I guess Lane the one who was like sleeping with him. Yeah, but there's been daughter. so many weird rumors. I the other part of it is Sarkeesian's his win loss record in his career, John, is not I well, mean, he's a lifetime like seven and five guy, remember? Yeah. I mean I remember when, when he left Washington thinking like, God, Washington Obviously, Washington knew they wanted Chris Peterson, but that worked out about as well for them. That was a major upgrade for them. He did recru- He recruited better than his win-loss record. Because well, remember, but Pete is that Peterson inherited it. Well, it's a it's a balance. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a it's not a it's better than not good at all. But he like, was there. Is, but like, it's one thing if I mean, he was there five years and he won eight games in his fifth year at UW, and that, that was, was the high year. watermark. Yeah. Then he won well, nine the first year at SC. What did he win a second? Well, three of the five. So he w- he was three and two, and he got fired. Yeah. So it wasn't going smoothly. No. I I I think it's a borderline crazy hire. Now he's been the OC at Alabama. He's been the OC of the Atlanta Falcons since, right? Yeah, he's definitely resurrected his reputation in the football circles. Remember, he won a playoff game. He also lost a playoff game. Remember the game they lost against Foles? They were at like the five yard line. Do you remember that in that playoff game? The Falcons were at the five-yard line. They threw the, the th- play to Yeah, I remember Julio. you were crushing them after that. Well, it was bad. Everyone was and, crushing them. And then it, you got to give him credit. I mean, it is a couple years as the offensive coordinator with, with Nick. Now, granted, they, I mean, they he's dealing with some pretty easy players to coach, right? He's got Tua, Ruggs, Smith, Judy. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, we got this scrub running back from Antioch. who's just the number one overall recruit. Didn't quite live up to the hype. Still be a fourth-round pick, you know, in uh, – Najee Harris. Oh, you know, oh, who'd you coach Najee. last year? Oh, uh, Josh Jacobs, first rounder, led the league in rushing until he got hurt in, in December. So he's had some pretty unreal players. And they've dominated. So you could say if he, maybe he's – because the counter I've gotten from NFL or just football people is that – because I always said when I remember watching him coach at Washington, he ran bubble screens. And Lane did the same thing. He's like, well, those guys don't do that anymore. The, the, the sports changed. So, because if you watch his offenses now, wouldn't you say they bombs away? It's fun offense to watch. I I, I like uh, I, I like Bielema, but as people have brought up to me, you know the concern at Arkansas, where he won seven games plus three, seven or more three years in a row, was just that they didn't uh, his offenses did not evolve, and there's a concern that they would not have evolved since. But I mean, two Rose well, actually, technically three Rose Bowls, two really. He went to a Rose Bowl. Easy to forget the 2013 Rose Bowl. Ohio State was undefeated, bull ban. Penn State was like 8-4, and four, bull ban. So Wisconsin was third in the – I don't remember that year if it was the Legends or the Leaders division, but they were in third place. This is a crazy year in college. John, there could, you could do like a 30-for-30 30 30 on the Big Ten, which, again, Legends or Leaders, whichever it was, for that year because you had – that Ohio State was Urban's first year. Then you had the Penn State year where they were good but banned. And then you had Barry Alvarez ends up coming out of the AD box to coach the bowl game for Wisconsin because Bielema leaves. They're an eight-win team in the, in the Rose Bowl. That's a big issue if you think about it in that conference to have those two teams be in trouble. Like, they need those two teams. <laughs> yeah. Especially Ohio State. That's, that's not ideal. Now, I w- yeah, I, I, I would hire Bielema, too. Uh, now, by the way, John, Chris Lowe, as we're recording this podcast, just tweeted from ESPN, Nick Saban won't be looking for an OC. Sark, who had emerged as a top target, will remain as expected to get a raise, making him one of college football's highest-paid assistants. So my guess is 
He wasn't going to get the job. That we're going to hear really quickly who the head coach is because I, maybe they're informing people. Um, so you could either take this out or just leave it in. See yeah. Well, just, we'll leave it in. This is a yeah. this is a snapshot of a moment in time. Maybe it'll be Troy Calhoun. I don't know. I like it. Um, another headline. I saw Russell Westbrook at dinner on Wednesday night, John. Who's he with? He was with, I don't know. I'm sitting there. I look to the right. This is about 830. The place is called uh, Fiorella on Polk Street. It's new. It was not there when you were there. When you were in, living here in the city, it was called like uh, Giola or something. It's only been there a year. Italian, good pizza. Thin crust. I liked it. And um, this, this big dude in a Rockets t-shirt walks in and like whispers something to the hostess. And then Russell and like four guys, three guys walking behind him. They go to a corner table. I see out of the corner of my eye some guy just hovering. And I'm sitting, Alyssa's sitting next to me, and our friend Josh is sitting across from us. And he just, I can see him like, you know, you watch somebody's eyes light up and something's happening. He, ha- he has the he view. He has the view of Russell sitting in the back. He's in the Don, the Don spot, right? Where you can see yeah. the doors back to the, he's surrounded by a corner and, and like four guys. And this guy, he's, this guy, I can see him hovering, and then he disappears from view and he makes a beeline. Apparently, Rus- as he's making a beeline for Russell, like all excited, Russell's bodyguard, just like predator coming from a tree, just snatches him by like the bicep, one big grip of his arm and like snaps him back and says, uh-uh, that was how Josh described it, uh-uh, and just like kind of tossed him back the other direction. How, how big was his bouncer? Big. <laughs> like bigger, I mean, Russell. But like big, put right? together, right? Like big, solid, barrel-chested guy. But Did Russell walk right by you? Yeah, Russell like walked by, you know, like goes to the bathroom, then walks back, goes through the restaurant to go to what the What was back he wearing? Corner. Sweatsuit? It was, hard. it was a little dark in there, but like a dad hat low, just like a t-shirt, yeah. uh, and maybe like sweats. Yeah, but, oh, like, so nice, but nice, like nice night in the city. Nice, huh? nice sweats. Not, yeah, I mean, it was pretty comfortable in the city. They probably got the well, car the dropped them right off at the front door, I'm guessing. What'd the bill run you? Nice restaurant? Three people. Uh, it was $73 plus tip. So like under a hundred bucks, not bad. Yeah. What'd you get? A couple pizzas, appetizer, salad, beers. Yeah. Oh fuck! Night out on the town, Westbrook and Haverman. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so it wasn't like it wasn't like Harden or PJ Tucker or D'Antoni. No, or no, no, no. It was just him and whoever, <laughs> whoever was with him. Yeah. So there's that. That would be cool if, if it would have been Russ and James walked in together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you have taken a picture of those two guys? No, you know I was thinking about it. What's funny is like when we go to an NBA game, you're like, oh, there's Russell Westbrook. You're like, oh, oh, oh. But you see him out, you know, quote unquote, in the wild, and uh, everyone freaks out. What's well, what Odell Beckham? But he was, mo- you know, sh- what I give people credit. Like he was mostly left alone, and he's unique pretty recognizable. Pro- unique place to go out, though, right? You know, it's. I would say if he did that in certain cities, you might get mobbed. Like if he did it in like Fresno or Sac, he might get a little more yeah, mobbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I younger- was there and people weren't freaking out. So you're right. <laughs> were, were younger people in there? I. Uh, yeah, like there would be yeah. some parents might not recognize him if the yeah, crowd. No, it was all. 40, it was, yeah, it was like people. You know, everyone there was probably. Do you know one thing? If you years. look at Russ, his jawline is is incredible. Have you ever noticed that with him? He's got big cheekbones yeah. and his jawline, yeah. like just perfect. Good like job. he it just like looks middle class like in, in our new uh, in, in our new uh, uh, podcast photo, video, picture, whatever. Um, okay, on that. Yeah, on that note, adios, pelota. See ya. Time to eat. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.